0: Let's have a word of prayer, and let's get into the word. We've got to be out of here by 12. I'll have you out of here by about 4.30 when I get through today. <laughs> Nobody wants a long-winded preacher. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come into the house of the Lord today and to bring your word. It's the bread of life to us, Father God. And we thank you that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So we thank you for it, Father. We speak your word clearly and precisely in the good faith that all have ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church in Jesus name we pray and everybody said amen Amen. I want to ask a question I already know the answer lawyers do that they don't ask questions they know the answer uh you don't have to answer but how many of you pray all right let's see hands come on if your hands don't go up we're going to come pray for you you raise your hand all right all right good thank you a little late but you got there but we're going to talk today, I want to talk about something today. You know, we have been, well, right now we are in what's called the church age, or the dispensation of grace, or the, you know, the age of grace. Before that was the law of Moses, 613 laws people had to keep. Before that, there was other covenants. Before that, Job, the, that poor guy, he had no covenant, but he knew God. In fact, he said some very prophetic things. He says, you know, I know my Redeemer lives. He says, I will see him in the flesh. So he saw some things into the spirit that uh, pretty good for a guy that didn't have a covenant. But Jesus came, and he upset the religious people because he came with a whole new kind of thing. Actually, what he was doing was he was ushering in what we have right now, the church age. I've heard it said, and I asked you before if you, if you pray. Every hand went up, I think so. And, and I want to talk about something about prayer. That We're going to look at three different individuals in the Bible, uh, New Testament people from different walks of life. And it's not a matter of praying, but how do you approach God in prayer? The last time I spoke here, I know I spoke on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I said I'm really a, I'm really a word of faith guy is what I am. So we're going to give you some faith today. Would everybody stand up, please? We're going to wind up our faith. If anybody has trouble getting up, help them up. Put your hands like this. Now go like this. We're going to wind up our faith. All right, you can sit back down again. Your faith is all wound up. (coughs) Pardon me. We're going to talk about three different people in Scripture in the New Testament and it's not—it's how they approach God is what we want to look at. Jesus came in, and he brought a whole new thing. We are in the dispensation of grace, the church age, the age of grace. Everything hangs and is hinged on the lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of what we are and what we do and what the churches is, they all hinges on him. All of the Old Testament pointed forward to him, and all the New Testament points back to him. He's the center of it all, right? We've sang a song in church, Jesus is the center of it all. And he's the very center of it all. You know, we don't put him first, we put him in the middle of our life. We put him in our life. And we're going to look at three different people in Scripture today who approach God. Well, they approach Jesus. He is the Son of God. They had a need in their life, and the need was met in all three of them. Let's turn, if you would, with me to the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter. Now, what's happened here is Jesus is just coming back over across the Sea of Galilee, where he was on the other side with the Gadarenes, where he cast the devil out of the demoniac, and the, uh, the guy was living in the cemetery. Talk about being homeless, right? Living in the cemetery, he had no clothes, and he was cutting himself full of demons, and we know what happened there. Jesus cast the devils out of the man, And the man went back to Decapolis where he was and told everybody all about Jesus. Incidentally, that's why when Jesus went to Decapolis, they already knew who he was. Amen, that's just a side thought. It's not my message today. We're gonna be in in Mark chapter five. Let's pick up in verse number 22. Am I there yet? No, here we go. Verse 22, and behold, there cometh remember, in the King James Bible, behold, There cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, meaning Jesus, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him. Let me just stop right there for a minute. We're talking Jairus. He was a leader in the synagogue, a leader of the religious leaders, and we know that jesus was under a lot of pressure by the religious leaders you know the first year of jesus you know always say you know they say for a preacher pastor steve you're going to like this you know the first year that you're pastoring everyone says blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and then the second year you know they say by what authority do you preach these things and the third year they say crucify him crucify him so Jesus is in the middle of all of this, and the pressure is on, and yet Jairus is a religious leader in the community. Now, mind you, he's a well-respected man, right? Everyone knows who he is. He has authority, and he comes along, and he bows down and kneels down and falls down before Jesus. He saw something in Jesus that a lot of the other religious leaders didn't see, and he came, and he released his faith and put a demand out there, and he told them what he needed. You know, it's interesting, you know, I've looked at this, you know, and people have talked about this. He came, really, Jairus came in faith, but he did beg Jesus in a sense because I guess in the natural, Jairus might have thought, I don't know how he's going to accept me coming to him, asking him for help. So many of my fellow uh, religious leaders are against him, but he threw everything to caution to the wind. He said, no, I'm going to go there because I know that this man has got God working in him. And I'm going to go to him to get what I need. Have you ever been in a situation where you need divine intervention? Probably every hand should go up on that one. Well, I tell you, aren't you glad that God is an intervener? (laughs) He shows up. Amen. And he's never early and he's never late. So always trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own understanding. Now, as far as prayer is concerned, let me say this. This is a very powerful thing here. First John, we're not going to have to turn I'll just quote it to you. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we're asking, we have the petitions that we ask him. You want to know the will of God? Read the word of God. The word of God is the will of God. And that should help us right there. Jesus was introducing something Uh, at this time, the Holy Spirit was moving on people, and they came to me. It kind of set the stage of something that we know today. And maybe some of you here today, you're kind of struggling a little bit with prayer. I hope that what I talk about today will help you to get a little bit more clarity on how to approach God. Every covenant that's ever been in place, people approach God according to the covenant that is in place. That's the way they approach Him. You know, I always used to say as a pastor, there's some things in the Old Testament trying to fit them into the New Testament is like trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. Now, granted, in the Old Testament, there's a lot of types and shadows, foreshadowing things yet to come, but we can't look at it and rule it as the absolute force. Now, I know Pastor Steve's been talking about Proverbs. Let me tell you, the book of Proverbs, a Proverb a day keeps the devil away. You read a proverb a day, and you'll have read the book of Proverbs 12 times in a year. And so it's a good thing to read that. Psalms. In fact, I was just talking to a friend of mine. Uh, he, um, he lost his wife recently, and I've known this man many, many years. Now, don't, don't shout me down on this. He, he, he's a Catholic. He is saved, but most Catholics don't know the Bible. True. They, they don't know. So anyway, I've been concerned about him because he's very distraught over it. In case some of you don't know, I lost my wife three and a half years ago. I really didn't lose her. God... As a, she's okay now, right, Bill? You know what I'm talking about. Me and Bill have become buddies since Barbara passed on, haven't we, brother? Yeah. yeah. But I'm doing pretty good with all of that because God is my God, no matter what happens, no matter what. I really don't like it when I hear people say, "Where was God when I needed him?" Well, He was there. You just looked the other way. I remember watching the. Uh, they used to be. Uh, they had it on television. Uh, Anne of Green Gables. There's a scene in there in the very beginning and Marilla is walking up the stairs. Remember Marilla? And young Anne is down below and she's so distressed. She says, Haven't you ever been so distressed, so destroyed? Haven't you ever been in such despair? Marilla stops on the stairs and she turns back. She says, To despair is to turn your back on God. And boy, when she said that, I said, I gotta watch this show. <laughs> but you know, there is a way to approach God that is willing with him. He wants you to approach that way. We're going to see three different people, different walks of life, approach him, really, with the same principles. Jairus is a religious leader. He falls down, as far as he's concerned. All deals are off on what I am. I know what I need. My daughter is dying, and this man has the answer. He has the power, and I'm going to go to him. But let's take a little side trip just for a second here. I wanted to lay that down because we're gonna get back on it. Let's look over in Matthew chapter number. Matthew chapter eight. We're gonna come back to this again very shortly. Matthew chapter number eight. Let's read verse five. Let's start, let's pick up in verse five. I'm better with a Bible than this thing. Ah, here we go. And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord. My servant lying at home, at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, "I will come and heal him." Isn't that amazing? A Roman soldier approaches Jesus and wants help, and Jesus doesn't even hesitate to get involved with the man. And he says, there, "And Jesus," and he said, "I will come and heal him." So the centurion says this. Centurion answered and said, "Lord." I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof. But speak the word only. Look at that. Speak the word only. Did you know faith is voice activated? I'm getting amens. God created everything by the spoken word. He's given us the right to use his word. In fact, in the word of God, it says, I've exalted my word above my name. He wants us to honor his word. And when you honor God's word, you're going to get what comes out. Because Why? Because this is the confidence that we have in him. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, I, I haven't heard anyone around here say it, but I, I've, I can remember over the years hearing people say, they, they prayed this big long prayer, and at the end they say, if it be thy will. Well, read your Bible, find out if it is. Now, I'm not saying to pray. I mean, Pastor Steve made a comment here a few weeks ago. about, the, about What did you call it? Uh, uh, name it and claim it yeah you mentioned that phrase we don't name and claim things we name and claim what's already what god has already given us in his word i mean i can't look at somebody drive by in the car and say, i claim that car in the name of jesus no that's nonsense that's foolishness and it's downright wrong and it's flaky no but if it is something that you need in life this is why we need to know the word of god because that's the foundation that we springboard off of into anything that we need in life. I never forget being on the job, you know, uh, talking about faith. I was saved. Listen to this. I was saved about three days. I was, I was a mechanic at American Airlines. I was working down in Tulsa. I was saved three days, and I was going to get everybody out there saved. <laughs> and so I was talking to this guy. Uh, he ended up. He did get saved as years went by, but he wasn't saved then. Well, these things are good, huh? And I was talking to him about God and what he did for me and how I got saved. And the guy finally goes, ah, I don't want to hear this, Joe. I mean, you know, my wife is one of you. He, she's one of them born-again things. And she's always telling me all this stuff all the time. But you know, with her, everything is faith, faith, faith. Everything is by faith this, by faith that. I hadn't even heard the phrase yet to do things by faith. And, he's, and he just tore me apart. He says, nah, 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 and he walked, he says, ah, I, I don't want to hear it. He walked away, and me being the great scholar that I am after three days of salvation, I said, it's not all faith. He doesn't know what he's talking about. All you got to do is believe. <laughs> <laughs> all you got to do is believe. You don't have to try to understand it. You'll get the understanding. It'll come. God wants to see you trust in his word. That's what he's looking for. And when you put, when you put your, 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 your voice to action of telling God, uh, you know, how many, you know, if you have kids, isn't it amazing when your children are small, they start talking. Like, oh, look how cute they talk. And then, you know, your wife will say to you guys, yeah, he talks like you. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I always say my daughter, she took after my, uh, my wife and my sons took after me. But nevertheless, actually, my daughter takes more after me than my sons do. But when we start to say what God says, you've got God's attention. You've got his attention. He says, "There, all right, I see faith. They're speaking my word. I see faith. You know, because God looks over his word to perform it. You don't have to try to make it do anything. God will. God is the one that does it. We just set the stage. We speak the word, and then God has to look over his word to perform it. Because he says he would. I hope this is starting to help somebody around here. So anyway, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that I should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them, Verily or truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. A man was a Roman a pagan a Roman soldier he hadn't walked in, in in the ways of God according to Judaism they had all kinds of gods you know if they want war, they, you know they want to they want to win in war they pray to the god Mars you know if they want to catch fish they pray to Neptune you know they had all these gods for all these things but yet he comes to Jesus and he and he says He says what he says, and Jesus marvels at it. The man had no background in anything. What happened here with the centurion is he heard about Jesus. He didn't just walk up to a Jewish man in the street and say, oh, by the way, would you come and heal my servant? He knew who Jesus was, and he came to him. Just like Jairus knew who Jesus was, and he came to him. You have a religious leader on one hand, who comes to Jesus because he'd heard of him. Now we have a Roman soldier who'd heard of Jesus, and he comes to him. And in both cases, Jesus is willing to help them. Both cases. He's willing to help them both. Amen. He's willing to help them both. So he says that to him. He says, I haven't found such great faith. And then he turns to him in verse number 13. He says, and Jesus said to the centurion, go thy way. And as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them, delivered them from their destructions, right? He said, you don't have to come. Man, just say it, and I know it'll be done. He says, I am a man under authority. He recognized that Jesus was a man under authority. He was under the authority of all of heaven. The Father God was backing him up. And he recognized, you're a man in authority. You can't do the things you do without authority. Look at when Jesus sent the 70 out. Remember that? He sent them out. He said, go out there, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers. You know, he told just go do it. He gave them the authority to do it. Well, he's trying to get a hold of something here. I have a good book that I've read a number of times called The Believer's Authority. There's a number of different men of God that have written a book called that. And it talks about these kinds of things. And when we look at this, we see here, now this is a Roman soldier. First, you have a, a, a religious leader, Jairus. He just took caution to the wind. He didn't care what the Sanhedrin would think of him. He's bowing down to Jesus. Well, he, he could have, they could have given him the heave-ho, or as they would say in the Baptist church, give him the left foot of fellowship. <laughs> they could have booted him out for something like that. But how daring. How many of you watched The Chosen? Have you watched season three when Jesus is talking to the crowd and Joseph, who turns out really is Joseph of Arimathea, we're going to find out. He's standing and he's saying, careful, careful. <laughs> he believed in who Jesus was. The Roman knew who he was. Jairus knew who he was. Now let's go back to Mark chapter five. Let's go back over to Mark chapter five. Let's not leave Jairus hanging there. They're on their way now to Jairus' house. Because his daughter is 12 years old, she's sick. And he says, come and lay your hands on her, that she will live and shall not die. So Jesus is on his way with her. And Jesus went with him, verse number five, chapter 5, verse 24. We're going to go into verse 35. Let's just go to 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. But when she, what does it say? Heard of Jesus. When she heard of Jesus. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, and she touched his garment. For she said, better translation does that say, she was saying. You know, when these women were in this kind of a condition... If they went out in public, which was basically not allowed, but if they had to, everywhere they went, they had to to be saying out loud, unclean, 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 people would just get out of the way for her. Because if you so much as touched her, or she so much as bumped into you, you were automatically unclean like her, and you had to go to a cleaning ritual. So she had to be shouting unclean. But I tell you what, she changed what she was saying. The need was so great. She heard of Jesus, and she came, and she said, if I could touch just his clothes, I know I'll be whole. Just touch his clothes. Just touch his clothes. She heard of Jesus. She started repeatedly saying, really. And verse number 29. Let's go to 29. She gets through there. And she touches his garment. Verse 29. And straightway, or immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she had felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. She felt in her body. is the Greek word genoso. It means a perception based on an experience. She was instantly healed, and she knew it. Uh, some of you folks, you know this. I, I told you how you know the Lord healed me of COVID, and I knew it instantly. This guy, a minister that I've never met, was live streaming on Facebook, <laughs> and he was going to close out. Him and his wife were talking. He says, "Oh, I'm going to go now," and uh, "Oh, wait a minute. Uh, I just feel I need to pray." There's some people watching right now. There's live streaming. People out there, they're, they're not feeling well. I, I need to pray for you. Man, when he said that, I said, this is for me. Remember when I taught on the gifts of the Spirit? How when a word of knowledge comes, I, man, I, I recognized it. Because he was going to talk about closing the live streaming, and he just stopped. And he said, wait a minute, I, I, I just feel I need to pray. There's people out there that don't feel good. And I, I said, this is for me. I recognized what was happening. Remember, I taught about this how he had a word of knowledge, and a lot of times the word of knowledge gets right in line with gifts of healing, the power of the power gifts. And when he said that, man, I said, I'm I'm in, man, I'm in. I said, this is for me. And he prayed all these scriptures that we all would, would know about healing, and he prayed them in the name of Jesus. And I'm sitting there listening, saying, amen, 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 amen. You know, I'm amening him like I'm sitting in church and saying amen to a preacher. Amen, 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 amen. And when he got up through, he said, well, amen, you're healed in the name of Jesus. Goodbye, everybody. I'll see you Monday, because it was a Friday, and pff, it was gone. And I was healed. I was sitting there, and the first thing I said was, oh, I don't have a headache. I don't have a headache. I don't have chills. I started, oh, I said, I don't have aches and pain. It was all gone. Y- you know, I was walking around with my robe on and flannel pajamas, and I was still cold. <laughs> I had a thermometer in my pocket. <laughs> I took it up, <laughs> put it in my mouth. It was digital. You don't have to do that anymore. I just stuck it in my mouth. My, 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 my body temperature went from, oh, oh, I, was, I was almost 103, and I, I, I stuck the thermometer in my mouth, and I was down to normal. In fact, it was, I always tend to run... A little cooler, because my name is Joe, Joe Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, it was below 98, like 97.7 or something like that. I just sat there, I looked up, I said, God, you are good. Thank you. Thank you. I just went into a little bit of worship and praise. Thank you, Lord. That wonderful. I feel really good. Thank you. I was totally healed. That's what happened to this lady. She knew, she felt it in her body. I know that feeling because it happened to me. Maybe some of you have experienced that too, where where, where you, you know you got something going on you and know, all of a sudden it's gone. People ask me, so uh, when COVID went away, did you like feel like leaving? I said, no. It was like I had it and then it was gone like I'd never had it. And this woman was just totally blown away. Now this woman is an outcast. Right? Yeah. She can't be out in public. She's a nobody. And the writers didn't even think to put a name in, but that was a real person. There was Jay Iris, a religious leader, a well-respected man in his community. He comes to Jesus, wanting something from him. Jesus said, I'll come and heal her. The Roman soldier, Jesus says, I'll come and I'll heal her. And now this woman, she didn't even get a chance to say anything. She just pressed through and she touched his clothes and bang, her faith went to work and she got what she needed. And I look at this thing here, and you know, it's just an amazing thing. Now, as it goes on, <laughs> I almost hate to say it, but uh, no, I, I, no, I won't. <laughs> let's, let's continue on this. For she said, she was saying, if I could touch his clothes, I will be whole. Verse 29, Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out, he turned around on the press and he said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, and you see the multitude thronging you, you say, who touched me? He looked around about and he saw her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, she came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. You ever meet somebody and you say, so how you doing? And you're sorry you asked. (laughs) They give you the Gettysburg Address. I mean, now, 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 now we're going to get there in this thing. We know what happens here. <laughs> she talked so long that Jarvis's daughter died. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're on their way to heal the girl. And this woman talked his ears off about what has been going on. All the doctors I've been through, and it didn't help. And, and, but then I heard about you. and She's telling them all these things. Meanwhile, Jairus is stated, I could just imagine if it was me, I'd be standing saying, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, can we go now? I mean, she got what she needed. Don't forget my daughter. I mean, can we go? And while they're doing all this, and Jesus says to the woman, He says, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. While he yet spake, while now, now get with me on this. I'm going to repeat this a little bit. Get in the groove on this thing with me while he's speaking visualize jesus is speaking to her okay jesus is telling her daughter your faith has made you whole go in peace and be whole of your plague while he's saying that one of the servants from 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 the from jairus's house comes and says don't trouble the master anymore your daughter is dead while jesus is telling her that This is what Jesus hears them turning. And Jesus, it says here, he turned around when he heard it, and he said to Jairus, fear not, only believe. So basically, he's telling her, your faith has made you whole. The servant is telling Jairus, leave him alone. And when Jesus heard it, he just turned to him. My wife used to say a lot of times, what happens in the first three to five seconds when you get a bad report on something has a lot to do with the outcome. You know, it's a matter of taking authority and don't let these things beat you down. The battleground's in the mind, but you're empowered in your spirit. You're empowered by the word. You're a child of God. You you have authority as a child of God. You have rights. You're washed in the blood. That don't come cheap. That didn't come cheap, did it? Jesus paid the heavy price. That didn't come cheap. God gave His all and His best for you and I. Jesus gave us a, a foreshadowing of that when He sent the seventy out. He said, "Go on out two by two, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out devils," and they did, because He told them to go do it. Well, we're going to get to something here in another few minutes. But when she said that, He turned to him and said, "Be not afraid. Only believe." Now, in the Greek. The word that's used in there is "mefobo." It's used almost like in a military command. How many veterans? you got any veterans here? Yeah, all right. There's one. Anybody else? Where's Mike? Hey, Mike. Thank you, sir. you have Marine Corps, service, and Police Corps, Police Department. Amen. You know, in the military, you're you're trained to do what you're told. Right? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, they put you through the mill in basic training. The whole purpose of that is to get you to think the way they think. You know, I remember a sergeant said, when I say jump, your only thought you should have is how high? <laughs> how high should I jump? And they make you do all these things, you know, in the military. I never forget, uh, the, the, we, we got there the first day, and they cut all our hair off, and they gave us uniforms, and the sergeant showed us how to make our beds, you know, uh, make our bunks, and he, you, know, you don't have a bed in the military, you have a bunk. He says, I'm going to be checking these bunks in the morning. And if that quarter don't bounce on there, your is grass. So in the morning, he picked some poor guy out. I don't know if the bed wasn't made right or not. I think he just set an example. He had this complete, the sergeant had this complete meltdown. Like, you think, what this guy did? Because he didn't like the way he made his bed. (laughs) Bunk. He tore it apart. Through the sheets, through the pillow, through the blankets. The mattress is only that wide. He folded it over, and he threw it out the window. And he says, now you got five minutes to put that bug back together. And the guy starts running, and the sergeant's running after him, blowing a whistle. <laughs> ah, good morning. Send me home to mom. I liked her better in the morning. You know? Mayfobo is a command. And Jesus said to Jesus, what, he's, what Jesus was doing there, he's saying, let's get back to what you were believing. Let's get it back there. This is what you came to me for. I said I would do it. Stay on the side of His. We used to have an instruction in Bible college. He used to say, keep the switch of faith turned on. Keep it turned on. Always have an expectancy that God is working in your life. Bible says God is working both to, willing to do his good pleasure in your life. He says that. God is for you. Did you guys just do that? God is fighting for us. He is on our side. Anyway. Anyway, we sing a lot of songs in church nowadays. But he instantly gets them back over on the faith side. And so, <laughs> as soon as Jesus heard that he spoke, spoken, he said to the, well, no, he said to this guy in the synagogue, don't be afraid, only believe. And he told no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brothers of James. And he came to the house of the ruler. Now, you would think, I know everybody here at one time or another, you've prayed, and it got worse. (laughs) Have I got a witness? (laughs) You pray about something, and it gets worse. That's the time to say, I know who I believe. I know who my Savior is. Are you hearing me? You know, my, my wife passed away three and a half years ago, and the devil came to play games with me. Start whispering in my ear, some stuff that I didn't like. I said, "Shut up!" In the name of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to stay on God's side, and that's what Jesus did with Jairus. Get back on God's side. Let's get back over here. Let's get back in where you were in faith. Your prayers and your faith have got to work together. In Mark eleven twenty four, says, "Believe when you pray. Believe when you pray before you see the answer." you believe. That's what faith is all about, right? Faith is the substance of things, hopefully the evidence of things, what? Not seen. Through prayer and faith, we pull the unseen realities into our life now. And the thing about it is, God's got enough scripture to back you up on this. i never forget on the job one time, there was this guy, he was unsaved, and he said to me, you need to tell me that Bible's got an answer in there for every problem in life. I said, yeah, it sure does. There's an answer in there for, oh, well, you know, that book was written thousands of years ago. I said, yeah, I know, but God hasn't changed. And neither has man. Man is still getting into the same trouble he always got into, and God's always showing us how to get out of it. He's our Savior and our Lord. Amen. And so they, <laughs> so they make their way over to, to Jairus' house, verse number 39. And when he was come in, he said to them, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. You know, they used to hire mourners in those days. And they'd cry and carry on and this and that. And and it says King James, King James says here, and they laughed him to scorn. How could you go from wailing and crying and mourning to laughing at somebody? Well, they were paid. They were being paid to mourn. You know, so what did Jesus do? Something you and I all would have done. He threw them out. Got rid of them, get them out of here. Get them out of here. There's a lesson to learn in that. When he's come in, he said, why make this a do? She's not dead, but sleeps. And they, verse 40, laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he takes the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him. And he entered into the damsel where she was lying. And he took the damsel by hand and he said, Talitha kumi, which is interpreted, damsel, I say to thee, arise. And she got up. He raised her from the dead. Hallelujah. Raised her from the dead. You know, and a lot of times we have wondered, well, why did he want her to eat food? Sick people typically don't want to eat. He's saying, give us something to eat. She was hungry. She was well. I got up after being sick. Listen, I, I, I lost about eight pounds that week with COVID. Man, let me tell you, after that guy prayed and I was healed, man, I was hungry. <laughs> man, I was cooking some bacon and eggs. I had to toast it. I said, oh, man, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten all week. This is terrific. The girl here was hungry. Why? She was healed. He didn't raise her from the dead so she can come back and be sick again. No, he raised her from the dead and made her well. Now, what that shows us here also, and we're going to wrap this up, is that when you're really believing on something that's very important, it could be life-threatening. Get people who believe with you. Get people who believe with you. You know, so oftentimes, you know, somebody might go to someone, ask them to pray, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I'll pray. You know, they pray, and then when they walk away, they say, gee, Uncle Fred had what he has, and Uncle Fred died. You don't want to go to those kind of people for prayer. <laughs> you ought to know after a while, who can you really trust with the affairs in your life where God is working. Remember in, in the book of Acts, after they were scolded and yelled at and beaten. They went back to their own company. Remember that? I think that's in Acts 4. Yes, Steve, is that right? Was it Acts 4? They went back to their own people. Go with the people you trust. You got something going on, talk to the people of church that you know. Talk to your pastor about it. Talk to people of faith. Don't just leave it to nowhere. Now, what I wanted to tell you on all of this, Jairus, the woman with the issue of blood, and the centurion, they all did the same four things. Okay? i want to write this down. Number one, they heard. They heard the word. They heard what Jesus was doing. Number two, they believed. Remember we used to sing a song in church, whose report will you believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. So number one, they heard. Number two, they believed. Number three, they spoke. Oh, but Brother Joe, you don't know what it's like. Yes, I do. I know a lot of things. I've been around a long time. I've had a lot of battles. And through our God, we shall do valiantly. Amen. Amen. Stay in the victory side with God. And number four, they acted on what they were saying. You hear it. You believe it. Speak it out. What are you speaking? You're speaking the word of God. Remember I shared with you, I think the last time I was here, the time before that, how... It was about almost 20 years ago, I came down with this incurable but treatable blood condition. And I remember, I didn't know what was going on, you know, and and all I know is I was feeling really poorly, always, always getting out of breath, and, and finally it was a Wednesday night, we were supposed to go to church, and my wife was going to be speaking that night, and, and my youngest son came home, he's, well, he's 42 now, and, and he... Um, he was a trainer in gyms. He's a personal trainer. He checked my pulse. I was laying on the couch. He said, Dad, your pulse is racing, man. What have you been doing? I said, I was sleeping on the couch. What do you mean what am I doing? So he took me to the hospital. He said, We'll go to the hospital. I said, oh, I'll go after church. You know, I was being stubborn. Nah, I'll go later. Oh, I'm all right. No, we're going now. So he put me in the car and took me there. And I couldn't even hardly walk in. They had to come out and get me with a wheelchair. And I was going to go to church, right? So they bring me in and they're rolling me in and I look on the wall. And it says the seven symptoms of a heart attack. I had five of them. I looked at that and I said, no, 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 it's not going to be any of that nonsense. No, that's not going to happen. No, I started speaking to that. Speak to the mountain. Started speaking to that thing. No, you're not going to do that. So they check me out and the doctor comes out. He says, well, we found out what's wrong. I said, yeah, what is it? He says, you have a hemolytic anemia. You're anemic. I said, what does that mean? He says, well, it's your blood. I said, what do I need, geritol? (laughs) He said, oh, it's not that easy. He said, you need transfusions, first of all. So I did get the three, I needed three transfusions. My blood count went down to like 5.7. That's very low. And um, so I got with God about all of that. And I started claiming my healing according to the word, quoting the word of God. Then I started speaking to the blood condition. I said, I have good blood. I have healthy blood. I have lots of blood. I'm full of blood. And I'm washed in the blood. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By his stripes I am healed. God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I started quoting that thing. Five years. Don't shout me down. Most people would give up if it doesn't happen the first time you pray. I kept it up. Now let me just say this. You folks here, you you used to talk back at home to your mom and dad. You know how to talk back on stuff like that. I started speaking that thing out every day as many times as I wanted. Five years later, it was gone. But the doctor wouldn't admit it for another two more years. And finally, he came in to see me. He says, we need to talk. I said, yeah, I know. He says, you know you're okay. I said, yeah, I know that. I said, I've been well for the last two years. He said, yeah, I know that with you. He says, yeah, you're, you're, it, you're, it's gone. He said, it shouldn't have been gone, but you said... Amen. But you know what he learned out of that? He said, you know what I learned from you? I said, what'd you learn from me? He said, I pray for my patients every day before I leave my house. I need God's help with some people because some people could die of what they have. You hear what I'm saying? So, you know, your stand of faith, it, it, it makes a difference in other people's lives. It affects them around. Faith is contagious. We are a people of faith. When you're born again, you are a person of faith. You've got the Holy Spirit in you, right? He's in there bearing witness of the word and of Jesus and all of those things in your life. Go out on a limb. Don't let the devil push you around. Don't, don't accept sickness. Listen, I've, I, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I talked to God about this when my wife passed away. And I said, Father, first of all, she was never sick. I don't know why she got cancer. And I don't know why she died. I said, but you know what? I am still yours. I am still yours, and I'll serve you the rest of my life. I'm not a pastor anymore, but I have minister. I'm going to be in Pittsburgh. I'm going to be in Connecticut again. I, 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 amen, and thank you. This is the ninth time you've had me here. Thank you. I mean, Pastor Steve, thank you. I really appreciate that, because I love the Word of God, and I still love pastors and churches and the people, and anything that I can do to add life to your life and your walk with God, that's... That's my calling in life now. And I, I, you folks know me around here. I, I keep a low profile. I do. I keep a low profile. Uh, but I'm here. And I hear you folks talking. You're nice people. Before service, i got to flash the lights in the lobby to get you in here. <laughs> You're out there fellowshipping. When it's time to go home, sometimes I pack up my saxophone. I can't get down the aisle. You folks have got the aisle blocked. You're all talking and hugging and whatnot. I mean, you had three minutes to hug. You didn't have to do it anymore. (laughs) But I hope this helps some of you in your prayer life and your faith life. That when it comes to certain things, see, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. That's how your faith comes. So you need to get the word of God in. You need to be a person of the word. Know what the word says. It all comes together. You know, to some people, it looks like a big mixed-up puzzle, but no, it does fit together. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, and he pieces it all together for you when you're in the Word, and it all starts to come together, and it paints a beautiful picture in front of you. My life is totally different. I'm not a pastor anymore, but I'm enjoying what God is doing in me now. It's just me and him now. I don't have a church to be thinking about. You know, when I was... Steve, remember I've talked about this here, you know. When I first retired, my wife was still living, you know, and I had retired and I was sitting in the house, you know, and she walked over and she said, Joe, what are you thinking about? I said, oh, no, know nothing. She said, you got to be thinking about something. I said, well, I'm thinking about all the things I don't have to think about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but God, if you turn to him, no matter what you're going through, he'll fill your heart with hope and with faith and show you how you're going to come through this thing no matter what because we have the victory. Amen? Amen. Let me ask a question right now. Now let's all close our eyes. Close our eyes and and, and pray with me if you would. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, come on, get with me. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe you sent him here give me forgiveness for my sins. I believe he died for me at Calvary. And I believe you raised him from the dead. Come into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior. I pray that, Father, with thanksgiving, that you will perform it. If you're here this morning, you can look up. If you're here this morning and you say, that's the first time I've ever prayed a prayer of asking Christ into my life, there's elders here that you can see. Is Brother Jamie here? Where'd he go? Thank you, sir. You can see him. He's a good man to see about all of that. Amen. And I'm going to volunteer Jewel if you're a lady. <laughs> go see her. She'll help you. They'll pray with you. They'll pray for you. They'll send you home with literature. They'll welcome you into the family of God. Can you say amen to that? Let me close with one last prayer for us all today. It's very simple. The priest's prayer from Aaron. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you for being such good listeners. The Lord bless you. Have a great day today.